Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and we are the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups. We're developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at engageforsuccess.org where you can learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter full of all things employee engagement. I'm Jo Moffat. I'm one of the regular hosts of Engage for Success Radio, and I'm Managing Director and Founder of Woodread. Woodread is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques, and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of truly engaged employees. And today is show number 401, um, and we're going to be discussing culture, all things culture, so a subject very close to my heart. Um, And we're going to be discussing what remote companies do differently from hybrid or co-located companies. And to help us navigate that topic, I'm very pleased to welcome today's special guest, who is Breton Putter. Breton, or Brett, uh, as I think I'm going to be calling him, is CEO of an organization called Culture Gene. Uh, Brett is an expert in company culture development and works with companies and leaders around the globe on how to design, build, and develop a strong functional company culture, uh, and as I say, CEO of Culture Gene. Uh, so, welcome to the show, Brett. Thanks very much, Joe. Thanks for having me. Now, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, we've got, we've got half an hour to sort of talk all things culture, um, and I think that perhaps um, it would be a good place to start um, to perhaps define our terms a little bit. Um, not just define our terms around what what do you mean by culture, because I know you've written. Uh, on on the subject extensively, but also let's talk a little bit about what we mean by remote, what we mean by hybrid, what we mean by co-located, because those are absolutely terms that um, you know have really come to the fore in the last eighteen months, aren't they? But let let's start with with um, with culture, if we if we can. What it, from your perspective, Brett? What what? How would you define it? So from my perspective. Culture develops when decisions that are made prove to be successful, and the thinking that went into those decisions becomes embedded into the way we do things around here. Um, And that's a very broad, um, all-encompassing, the way we do things around here phrase, but it's deliberate because Mm. culture really is everywhere. Um, Mm. But ultimately, culture is this random combination of good and bad behaviors, habits, beliefs, assumptions, norms, principles, communication styles, meeting styles, processes and policies, and so on and so on, that, 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 is, that is, is developed over time by a group of people forming an organization. Right. Yeah. And it isn't always positive, of course, is it? No. Well, it's, it's um, uh, so I, the way I look at culture is there's no such thing as a right or wrong or good or bad culture. Uh, unless it's how I would feel working in that culture. So, so 
the mafia, for example, is a culture I wouldn't feel comfortable in. I wouldn't. It's not a good culture for me. But actually, if you work in the mafia and you were born into that, it's a, it is a good culture for you. And it's, it's the a, right it's, culture it's, for you. It's a successful culture for some people, depending on what side of the fence you're sitting, yeah? Exactly, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, okay. All right, interesting. And um, so that's fine. So I like the phrase, you know, um, yeah, the way the way it is around here um, is one I, I use myself um, as well. I think it it does it does sum it up. Um, I think people would challenge us. They they certainly challenge me, and I guess you probably have the same challenge put to you. Although that's a bit nebulous. Um, and uh, I know in your your most recent book, um, which is called How to Define, Embed, and Manage Your Company Culture, which actually I have to say I love the sound of, and I'm going to look that one up. Um, that suggests that it's a more prescriptive isn't isn't the right word. I don't want to use the word prescriptive, but it but it does suggest that it's a little bit more defined. You know, to define something, it can't be nebulous, can it? So, um, what what do you think about that? Yeah, so it's it's it is nebulous because in most organisations, culture is so culture is this largely invisible, subconscious, intangible thing that exists below the surface and forms by default. And mm -hmm. the best leaders make their culture visible, conscious, and tangible, and they define what their culture means to them and what mm -hmm. the, what their culture stands for and where they headed the vision and the mission. Um, mm -hmm. And the best leaders make it less. Uh, amorphous and much more real and livable to their people. Um, mm. But if you try and define culture in a very narrow way, then you invariably limit it or restrict it to certain elements or areas that I think is incorrect because culture is everywhere. It's, 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 if you've done a great job of hiring people, it's in the DNA of the people and it's in the DNA of the organization. Mm. So, okay. So that's an interesting point you've just made there. Um, if you have a CEO on a on a sort of short term tenure, you know, sort of four or five years, and then a new CEO comes along, and you know, four or five years, another CEO comes along, does that mean that you're forever chucking all your culture um, toys out of the pram and starting again, or is it the fact that we've embedded it within the DNA of our people that they're, be you know, it kind of becomes a little bit more self perpetuating than that? It depends. It depends on the extent to which it's embedded and lived, mm -hmm. and and you know, uh, it, it really depends on the organisation and the board. If the board understands the value of the culture, then they will, unless they want to change the culture, they will find somebody who can, uh, who fits the values of the organisation and is a will be able to add to the organisation's culture rather than change it completely. But there are some some cases where you need to change an organizational culture and starting at CEO is the best place to do it often enough. Mm. Interesting you mentioned the word values there. I mean, if we think about our, our approach to engage for success as a movement, uh, as I'm sure you'll, you'll know and many of our listeners will know, um, the initial research for engage for success undertaken by our co-founders David McLeod and Nita Clark identified the four enablers of an engaged workforce and the fourth enabler talks about organizational integrity it talks about where the values on the wall uh, are not just the values on the wall but they are actively lived and breathed and demonstrated by the behaviors of everyone in the organization and you know those behaviors are used as a yardstick by which decisions are made and so on so values are simply 
uh, you know, values are very much alive and uh, a, a, a yardstick by which uh, that culture is, is demonstrated and brought to life rather than simply um, a set of words that are stuck on a poster or on an internet or a website um, uh, in order to guide us, I guess. So, right, lovely. So culture, we're going to talk um, more broadly about that. And or, sorry, more, more, more specifically, rather, um, the difference between um, organisations who are remote compared to those who are hybrid or co-located. So tell us a little bit about those terms. Um, you know, you, you, you consider them to be different. You consider them to have an impact upon an organisational culture. So let's just start off by, by defining what we mean by those terms, if you would, Brett. So obviously, obviously we had office-based environments, um, which were the, um, the dominant uh, work environment pre-pandemic with a small proportion of flexible or re remote um, environments. We've mm -hmm. now been forced into learning to work in a much more flexible way. And there, is, there, are, there are certainly gray, levels of gray in between, but the way I like to look at it is a fully remote organization is an organization where there is no headquarters. The leadership team all work remotely from one another and, and do that deliberately. Um, and the rest of the organization work remotely. They will get together on a regular basis as an organization, as a company, um, or as a division, a department, or a team, uh, but their work is fully remote. Uh, a hybrid type of environment is a situation where there is an office, um, and people, depending on the structure, are, can choose where they work. So some people may choose to be fully remote and come in occasionally to the office. Some people may come into the office two or three days a week and work from home two or three days a week. And some people may work in the office all, all the time. That's what they choose to do. And what we're seeing, what I'm seeing with a lot of my clients is a huge mix around this. So one of my clients is an 80-person software company, and the um, VP of engineering surprised the CEO when, uh, when he told her that the engineering team would, would not come into the office. They would work fully remote from now on. And this then uh, uh, resulted in the CEO going and asking the rest of the organization, what do you, how do you want to work? And Mm -hmm. the, the sales team are different from the professional service team, different from the marketing team coming in on different days. I have heard of companies that say you have to come in on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, as a, but ultimately, the hybrid environment is this combination of working from an office and working from home. Okay. And, um, and co-located is just another version of that or yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay so so i mean obviously the the last 18 months you know we don't need to rehearse what's happened in the last 18 months i think you know we all we all know that but but it's been good for this kind of discussion hasn't it i mean if we're talking about a silver lining to covid and god knows you know it's been pretty hideous for an awful lot of people but nonetheless from a workplace culture debate perspective um, which has blown the, blown the um, roof off, really, hasn't it? It very much has, actually. I, um, I, have, a, I have a client um, who the COO, we did, I, did, I did some initial work for them about 18 months ago, and I spoke with the CEO. Um, we finished it just before the, um, 
this pandemic hit. And the CEO, I spoke to her about a year into the pandemic, and she said that culture has gone from a, in the CEO's mind, a sort of top 10, but continually knocked down by other priorities to a top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's now, that's, that's how important culture is. So, yes, it's certainly um, forced us to understand how important it is and actually realize what we took for granted in our previous environments where we had an office to do the work for us. Actually, we relied on the office to do a bunch of things that um, uh, are not happening now. Yes. So what's the, what's the risk? Um, what are the risks to effective cultures? To the, what are the risks to you know, defining, embedding and managing your culture um, that are presented to leaders by the, the kind of current challenges we're facing in terms of remote versus hybrid? So the first risk is most leaders have their heads in the sand a little bit and are hoping that their pre-pandemic leadership style will be relevant, as relevant and as suitable in a hybrid or remote environment. And that's actually, mm-hmm. unfortunately, not going to be the case. Um, mm-hmm. Because um, the most companies, 80, 90% of companies are going to, are going to actually go to hybrid. And yeah. hybrid is actually a harder environment to lead than remote. So in, re- in a remote environment, we're all in this together. We're experiencing the culture of the organization the same way. We may have different home environments, but actually the mm-hmm. interaction with the company is the same. In a mm-hmm. hybrid environment, you will, you will have a percentage of your per- people working remotely, and you have this potential for an us versus them situation to develop. There's the mm-hmm. us in the office and them who are remote. And mm-hmm. the us experience culture in a different way. They experience communication in a different way. And they have expectations for synchronous communication, for example, that remote workers, people working remotely, do not. They, they want to work more asynchronously. So they may not mm-hmm. be immediately available because they're, as in my case, dealing with the two-year-old and the four-year-old. Um, or, you know, feeling yeah. the wall, taking the dog for a walk or whatever, whatever yeah. it is. So yeah. the, this, this, the, the problem with this us versus them is the remote people, if you don't build a remote first hybrid model, then you end up, they end up feeling like second class citizens because they don't experience the culture and the communication and promotion and the interaction that mm. they that they would have done in the office, and that was okay pre-pandemic because it was a small proportion of companies were designing hybrid or, or remote working capabilities. Now there are tens of thousands more companies, and second-class citizens will leave your environment and join another company where they believe they will be treated like a first-class citizen, and the culture is designed for the way they want to work. Interesting. You should you should say that. Um, I don't know whether you heard last week's show, but we had um, Josh Burson on as our guest in our as our four hundredth, um, and he he joined us and he was talking about the quit rate in the states being um, recorded the highest ever in April this year, in terms of the number of people who have quit their jobs. Um, and I know certainly from some of the other research that I've read elsewhere that, you know, there's a, a significant proportion of the current workforce are 
actively intending to change jobs within mm. the next 12 months. So um, it, it becomes very important to create a workplace or wherever that workplace might be um, that engages people, doesn't it? It does, and it's and it's got it. It's engagement on um, a level that is that is purpose driven in a way. If I if I'm fulfilling my purpose and there is a bigger purpose at this organisation, then why should I leave? It's actually mm-hmm. the people who are realising that there is more to life than slaving away in their current in, uh, current role, and that they can now work from home. They can spend more time with their family, their children, or you know, exercising whatever it is they want to do. And mm. still, you know, and work with with a company that will engage them, that will build um, systems and capabilities to 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 help them fulfil their potential. Um, mm. This, the, the, I think, the companies that uh, what I've seen is the companies that worked quite worked hard on their culture pre-pandemic had a tough time, but they've actually had it easier than the companies that didn't work on their culture. And I think they're going to have it easier when it comes to retaining people. Um, because this quit rate thing is a very, you know, Microsoft's research um, demonstrates that 41% of employees are, are, are looking to move or ready to move. Mm, yes, that's, a, that's one of the figures that I've seen as well, Brett. And it's quite significant, isn't it? Um, Massive. Yeah, so, so, so this of trying to avoid second-class citizens, that, that sort of, I can see the importance of that. And that prompts me to think about, inclusion and inclusivity and diversity and inclusion and diversity and diversity equity and inclusion and i mean is there is that that's another key part of this discussion and and planning and and managing your culture isn't it that however whatever format and structure you have that you don't by some means or other however inadvertently disadvantage certain of your people well, and that's that's exactly right. So that the inclusion, I'm not sure you can do that much about diversity um, with a team that you have already. With if they are not diverse, yes, you're going to have to start hiring more diverse. But you you have what you have. But actually, it's quite easy for you to disenfranchise people and and and, and ultimately for them to feel not included um, mm. because your the 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 way you work doesn't work with the way they want to work and the way they interact doesn't you know isn't the way they want to interact and actually that's why I mentioned earlier this this idea of a remote first hybrid work mm-hmm. culture where you apply the remote working best practices to the to your hybrid business so that people feel you know they 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 feel included there is an equitable experience for everybody and where there are no advantages or disadvantages to working remotely or from an office Mm-hmm. So, so how does that work when you are in it? I can see how that can work when you're in an organisation, for example, like a, you know, a tech company or a professional services company or a, a, a service providing company. But how do you, how can you make this work and work for everyone when perhaps you're an organisation that has got a lot of actual frontline workers or operational workers or production line workers or warehouse workers as well as people develop doing sort of support services and client service and and that kind of thing does it does that is there not a risk that you're going to create a sense amongst those people who can't enjoy some of those remote first aspects that they're going to they're by, by definition going to feel 
rather second class? Well, it, the, 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 it, it really depends on, as you say, the structure of your business. But if you have people mm -hmm. who have to interact with customers face-to-face -face and hand mm -hmm. them a package or, or have to be in a certain environment, um, those people should be, should be recruited with an understanding that that is their job, that is the role, and that should be their expectation. If, mm -hmm. they, if they want to go from, let's say, a customer service representative to a marketing representative, then your organization should build the, the, that um, personal development plan for them to potentially do that, which would then allow them to move into a, uh, a, a more, for want of a better phrase, a more valuable uh, role in the company. I'm not saying that customer service isn't valuable, but mm. the, you know, a marketing role doesn't, you know, doesn't have to be on the phone or be in, in a room with other people on the phone. So mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's how you recruit people and, and how you set expectations for those people. There are companies that are building the capability for you to have a, a remote customer service team. So there is more technology coming down the line that does that. But ultimately, if you do have to hand a parcel to somebody physically, there's, not, there's no way around that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so your your mantra is remote first hybrid, um, if you like. I may have I may have sort of um, paraphrased your tad, but I think that's what you're saying that you know remote first hybrid is the way to go. Uh, which, yeah. in other words, you're saying that the techniques and the approaches of a of a truly remote organisation need to come first and foremost when you're thinking about how you're going to deliver and develop your, your hybrid workforce. So what are, the, what are the particular challenges? I mean, you've, you've touched on one being leadership. You know, they've got to get their heads into gear on this, haven't they, and, and recognize what this means. What are, what are some of the other challenges and things that need to be done differently? So the, the, what we need to think about is what we had but don't have any more. And the big one is osmosis. So we relied on osmosis for communication, for onboarding, for culture, um, uh, culture interaction, for um, the, the communication we had, the informal communication. It's all yes. revolved around osmosis in these four walls. And that's Absolutely. gone now. Or, or in a hybrid environment, it'll be available on Mondays and Wednesdays, but it won't be available to you any other time. <laughs> yes. Um, and if you're in on Mondays and Wednesdays, you might get a different osmosis to the people that are in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Exactly. And you're quite right. And you, you then form a subculture on the Mondays and Wednesdays subculture, which is different to the Tuesdays and Thursdays subculture, but that's a whole different get the fish. So the first <laughs> that's, another, that's another radio show, Brett. <laughs> so the first thing to think about is this idea of um, you can't rely on osmosis and proximity or um, the bent of the camaraderie. But what remote companies do well, and I've studied um, GitLab, Hotjar, Buffer, Zapier over the last 12 to 18 months in detail because I built software for distributed teams around my process. And these companies do nine, they have nine best practices. So they are deliberate about culture development. They don't let it happen by default. They processize the organization. So they take processes that we in an office environment would have taken for granted because of the osmosis that just kind of happened. They turn mm -hmm. a meeting into a process that we all follow in the organization. They mm -hmm. are very deliberate about documentation 
and a company like GitLab, for example, recruit for people's ability to document part of their recruitment process. They are they are very um, they work very hard on social connection and on community building because that's the first the first step to loneliness is not being in, not being included in the social elements. Um, they they drive communication broadly across the organization in different ways and they look at synchronous versus asynchronous communication and they lead towards lean towards asynchronous as much as possible. Mm -hmm. They have trust and results based leadership styles um, and they work very hard on well-being. So and their leaders are trained to create an environment of psychological safety so that people can be comfortable sharing difficult situations or talking about issues or et cetera, et cetera. So those are the mm -hmm. nine things, the nine best practices that these companies over-index on in comparison to the companies that were pre-pandemic office-based because they didn't have the offices to rely on. Right. Yes. Yes. So they set up their business. In a, they beat. They were. They were ahead of the game, basically. And now exactly. they've, you know, they, they've, they've shown the way that the other organisations should go. Very interesting. Exactly. They didn't yeah. have an option, which is which is the reason why, you know, if you hire somebody two time zones away, if you don't document your culture, that person's never going to work out what it is. No. No. No, interesting. Very interesting. So you've got to be very, um, one of the words I've, I've been using a lot in the last 18 months is, is the need to be intentional. I mean, this is exactly what you're describing here, isn't it? Culture, culture by design, deliberate processes, um, planning it, setting it out, making sure that it's clear, communicating it effectively. Hmm. Very exactly. interesting. It's, this, it's actually the way I see culture is, it's a it's a business function that very few businesses take advantage of. It's the one mm. sustainable competitive advantage that a CEO has complete control over. Yeah. And the, Sorry, the best leaders do that. They take control of their culture. Indeed. And and do you think in your experience, I mean I know I know that your background is, is one of working with tech companies. So I know that's kind of where you've come from, but but do you think and, and the examples you cited there, Zapier, Buffer, and so on. Do you think tech companies are leading the way in this? Because, and if so, why? Um, I, I, I do think um, there are there are wonderfully bright lights outside of tech. Um, one of my clients is a school trust in Mansfield, mm -hmm. um, which was the, probably the most left field um, email I've got in a long time. I just thought, what? But they're doing so many amazing things with the culture of, of the academies that they're working on. I, I just, I, I actually fell in love with them. It was, it was love at first. How at interesting. First. But tech firms have to be more deliberate about culture, and not all of them are, and a lot of them um, give it lip service. But ultimately, because they're, they're, the people that they want to hire are in really high demand, and the best people will choose where they work and understand what a strong or a weak or a functional or dysfunctional culture is, and they will evaluate you based on that. The best people know exactly what they want, how they want, where they want to work. They know what flexibility they require from you. And if your company cannot, they, they, can, they will earn a lot of money whichever company they work for. Mm -hmm. 
and they're looking for a challenge, their ability to develop, and to know that they're going to work in an environment where um, people are like-minded and are values-driven and have the same values. Yeah, even if they maybe don't necessarily meet them on a day-to-day basis in the workplace anymore, that virtual environment, that uh, remote first hybrid environment means that they're still all getting a, 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 a consistent experience of what that culture is and, and living up to that consistent culture too. Interesting. Exactly. Um, Brett, we've got just over a minute, a minute and a half left. Um, it's a fascinating conversation. I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. But could we just wrap up by um, asking you if there was, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, goodness me, I, I'm, I'm just kind of letting my culture happen or um, actually my organization is making, is needing to change the way we do things. What, what, what's the one thing that people should be thinking about in the first place? Where do they, where do they need to start? If they haven't done, if they haven't done anything about it, they must define their values, their mission and vision. Um, Mm -hmm. And if they have, done that, then the next step is to define what the values mean to the organization. The, problems, the problem with most organizations is they define their values, but values mm-hmm. are open to interpretation. You know, what does uh, honesty mean, really? We kind of know, but people interpret for their own well-being first. Yeah. So remove the interpretation, yeah. define what the values mean, and then start to embed them in the organization. Lovely. Excellent. Um, thank you very much. That's been a fascinating conversation. Um, I'm sure our listeners have taken a lot of value from that. So thank you to this week's special guest, Brett Putter, CEO of Culture Gene. And thank you for listening to Engage for Success Radio. We will see you at the same time next week. And don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time, um, including last week's milestone 400 which i mentioned so thank you very much and goodbye engage for success radio raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work